0: You do that much faster now than you used to. Uh,
1: I've greater confidence in my ability Don't to... Count distinct. to three? <laughs> well, <laughs> two. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: Welcome to the Protagonist Podcast. I'm Todd Mack here with Joseph Dorowski, and each week we look at a great character and a great story. Today we're talking about Lucy, Lucy Eleanor Moderatz in While You Were Sleeping. Lucy was played by Sandra Bullock, and the film was written by Daniel G. Sullivan and Frederick Le- Lebo. It was directed by John Turtletob and released in 1995.
1: The film has an 80% rating, positive rating on Rotten Tomatoes. And because it was so cheap to make, it has a huge percentage of return, earning over $180 million on a $17 million budget.
0: It's amazing that it even cost $17 million <laughs> to make it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Movies are expensive to make, it turns out. <laughs> Wait, it made how much? Uh, almost $200 million. One, over $180 million. That's the sort of like rate of return that you only see on horror films. Yeah. Yeah. Horror films are famous for being so cheap to make like five to $10 million and making, you know, a hundred to $150 million worldwide. Really? Yep. Interesting. Cause they often have casts with, you know, no, you know, the unknown stars that are are cheap to cast and a lot of practical effects. And they'll film for just three weeks, even yeah. the best ones. Yep.
0: I wonder how much of the, uh, how much of the $17 million budget went to Sandra Bullock, uh, Bill Pullman. <laughs>
1: Well, I don't she was. This was right. Was this right before or right after Speed? So she wasn't yet Sandra Bullock. Like this is one of the ones that you know made her a National Treasure. Not uh, the movie,
0: but a, yeah. a National Treasure. It's one year after yeah, Speed.
1: Though, though John Turteltaub directed National Treasure later. Did he? Yes, and and Three Ninjas. If you remember that oh, one from I your youth, Three oh, Ninjas. Really? Yes, what just we just, the, do... just the original. Yeah, first he time. didn't do Knuckle Up or. Uh, what was the no, other? Was uh, the strike one. back, kick back, or something. Also, also directed Cool Runnings. This man has had quite a career. Oh, oh those are all great films. I love Three Ninjas. <laughs> we should do a. We should do a Three Ninjas <laughs> episode. I, I don't know if anyone qualifies in the Three Ninjas franchise. Did we talk about Grandpa? <laughs> the the curiously non-Caucasian Grandpa for these three Caucasian children. I can't remember if that gets explained or not. I'm sure there's a great explanation well, for Well, in the second one, they go to Japan. Yes. Exactly. Following the Karate Kid model. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, we're, we are already off, off course. <laughs> ah, this is going to be fun. Yes. Um, so, Todd, how did you come to While You Were Sleeping? Which, by the way, a uh, little bit of trivia, I guess, before you answer your question. Released in 1995, guess what month of the year this film, which has a plot that takes place between Christmas Day and New Year's Day, was released? July. It was April. <laughs> released in April.
0: It was a long time ago before they realized that you release <laughs> holiday movies at holiday time.
1: Well, I don't know. We just had Iron Man 3 uh, a couple of years ago. That... Had a Christmas setting and came out in July, I think, or <laughs> June or July. Also, my favorite is Miracle on 34th Street, one of the quintessential Christmas shows. I think it was released in May. Wow, <laughs> in, back in the day. Anyway, uh, I was asking though, how did how did you come to while you were sleeping?
0: I honestly don't remember. It's we we had a copy of it in our house for a long time, and I've seen it a lot of times. <laughs>
1: And when every I was watching time this, I
0: see a, a girl named Lucy, I just want to say, "Hey, Luce.
1: <laughs> yeah, watching this um, with my wife last night, it was both of us realized how much of this we could actually quote, oh, which was man. surprising to me. Not so surprising to her; she knew she had a lot of uh, the lines down. But this is a a very quotable film. It's <laughs> it a classic. Out.
0: Yeah, it's really. I mean, we would have been in like late junior high.
1: Yeah. Yeah, this is 20 years old now, so we would have been 13.
0: Wow. Early junior high. Yeah. When it came out. But, man, I saw it a lot of times when I was in high school. It's a great, it's a great film.
1: Uh, yeah, it's, it's for me similar. I don't know. I, I kind of want to say my older sister bought it when it came out on video. She would have been in high school, uh, you know, when we were in junior high. Uh-huh. And I watched it with her fairly you know, shortly after she got it. That's my guess. My or else. how I was first introduced to it. But... Uh it's one of those that is just kind of like the wallpaper of my youth. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's just there. It was always there.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's how I am. Uh well, this is the story of a lady named Lucy played by Sandra Bullock and she's lonely and she works at a she works in the in the booth at a train station. And she falls desperately in love with a man who comes through the train station every day and she ends up saving his life in an accident that ends up putting him in a coma. And through lots of miscommunication, uh, it her, his family comes to believe that she is his fiance and the lots of hilarity ensues.
1: All right. Um, we're going to, Pause the recording for a moment. I want everyone to go and look up the trailer for this film online and watch it right now. And Todd, I want you to go do the same. (laughs) We're gonna this is gonna be edited out. But this is one of those trailers where you watch it, you're like, this was a different era because this trailer shows the entire plot, including (laughs) a lot of the farce elements (laughs) getting laid out right there in the trailer. Let's see Wow. So listeners take a moment and go find the trailer. We'll have it in the show notes. Uh, so before we get into the full spoiler synopsis, which if you've gone and watched the trailer you've already had, uh, just a reminder, listeners, you can support us if you go to patreon.com slash protagonist, and I'm going to offer you a discount from what we said last week. If you uh, pay disc. just a quarter for each of the four hours that we give you uh, per month... <laughs> then you could just donate a dollar a month and we would appreciate it. It would help us out. So please take uh, the time to go offer uh, a little something. If you think this, uh, th- this podcast is uh, worth the entertainment you know, or has any entertainment value for you. If not, I don't know why you're listening or information value <laughs> or information value. It's true. We do try and drop some knowledge bombs on you.
0: It's infotaining. <laughs> oh.
1: Oh, Maybe we should cut that out It's, <laughs> it's
0: entertational
1: <laughs> D- Doubling down, huh? <laughs> Todd this, this episode already has such a different tone Than Gunner Creek Horton did
0: yeah. <laughs> Well, we're uh, This doesn't touch on quite uh, the, the weighty ideas That uh, yeah. the other one does
1: All right, I'm going to now provide the full spoiler synopsis. Lucy is a lonely, token-taking employee of the Chicago Transit Authority who has a secret crush on a regular patron. One Christmas morning, the object of her crush is mugged and thrown onto train tracks. Lucy jumps down and rescues him. At the hospital, she is not allowed to see him, and she mutters to herself, I was going to marry him, which is overheard by a nurse. The nurse announces in front of the mugging victim's family that she's his fiance. In the immediate chaos of this revelation, and with multiple reasons provided through the story, Lucy does not tell the family that she was not, in fact, (laughs) Peter Callahan's fiance. That is his name, she's found out, Peter Callahan. Um, She gets pulled into this charming but eccentric family, and this eases her loneliness. The family's best friend, Saul, finds out that Lucy is not really engaged to Peter, but he encourages her to continue the charade. Lucy meets, and is charmed by Peter's brother, Jack. Jack is sufi- suspicious of Lucy's relationship with his brother because Lucy does not seem like Peter's type, and also because he suspects Lucy is in a relationship with a slovenly man named <laughs> Joe Jr. <laughs> Many misunderstandings ensue, including a mistaken assumption of pregnancy, some chaos surrounding Joe Jr., and Saul being generally helpful and then quite unhelpful. <laughs> Peter wakes up from his coma and has no memory of Lucy, who his family now adores and assures him is his fiance. Uh, He is told that he has, uh, what is it? <laughs> Amnesia. <laughs> the- uh, yeah, but but selective amnesia yeah. <laughs> just about his fiance. <laughs> he remembers everything else about his life. But in assessing his life after his near-death experience, he realizes that he's generally been a terrible person and he decides that he should go ahead and marry Lucy. At the wedding in the hospital chapel, Lucy arrives but immediately objects <laughs> to her own wedding she reveals that she is in love with jack not peter peter's real fiance storms in disrupting the ceremony only to be (laughs) followed by her husband who also (laughs) (laughs) objects to this wedding lucy leaves in the chaos and returns to her lonely life taking tokens suddenly a diamond ring appears in her token drop box and it is jack with his eccentric family in tow coming to propose marriage lucy agrees and has her happy ending all right now, I should say, I cut out a lot of the farcical elements of the misunderstandings of who believes what and who. Um, you know, the audience always has the full picture, but the characters often only have part of the picture, which is part of the charm of this. And it's a really well-constructed farce uh, uh, plot line that, that runs through it. Yes. In that, <laughs> Sorry, I
0: was just checking something in the recesses of my mind.
1: <laughs> well, I, what I like so much about it is, I mean, farce, it depends on... Uh, characters believing different things. And I think this does a good job of guiding the viewer into understanding why each character believes what they believe and is doing what they're doing, which sometimes farces, you just got to take a leap and go in. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, this provides little lines of dialogue that explain everything. Sometimes with farces, you get um, characters who are acting out of character just because that's what the plot needs. I think this this film does a good job of at least giving a line of dialogue to explain the motivation for you know, why Lucy's, um, you know, carrying on the charade for yeah. why, um, you know, Peter thinks she's pregnant, you know, and how all those seeds get laid and then, you know, sprout out into these, these moments of high comedy.
0: Yeah. I, um, w- I watched this this evening, uh, and my kids were all just kind of ready for bed and it's cold. They can be playing outside. And I said, I need to watch this movie. Um, and so the kids all sat down to watch it and they said, is this a kid's movie? And I said, um, not really. <laughs> But I don't think there's anything like super objectionable, so you can you know you can watch it with me. And so my five year old, especially, she was like really into it, and she she understood like character motivations. She understood what was going on. Uh, she understood when the brother showed up. She said, "Is she gonna marry that brother instead of the <laughs> one in the bed?" Like she just kind of knew. So this it's not a super complicated story. Um, And sometimes with farce, like you're saying, it gets so just crazy that nothing's believable and nothing – like characters – the story is funny because it doesn't make any sense. Uh, And here it does make sense and a five-year-old can follow this story (laughs) really pretty easily. uh, But there are still really laugh-out-loud funny moments.
1: So before we get into the plot of the laugh out loud funny moments, uh, I want to give a shout out to the paper boy. Thank you. (laughs) Who who bips it so thoroughly on his bike for the sake of this film. (laughs) And I've always wondered if that was an accident or real. And I I just don't care. It's glorious either way. (laughs) I have rewound that scene so many times. So, if anyone's never watched this, there's just um, this quiet segue moment. Of <laughs> it doesn't have anything white. to do
0: with anything. It's just <laughs> no. like, it's morning...
1: And A paper, always tossing some papers onto the street, and he throws one, and his momentum just uh, <laughs> a patch of ice, and his bike so just good. disappears out from under him.
0: Oh <laughs> he man! Just hits the ground
1: so hard. And uh, there's also one that is less obvious at in I think the opening credit sequence when they're doing some pan shots of Chicago at Christmas time. Uh, they're going across an ice rink, and I'm guessing this one had to be accidental. But a guy just falls so hard flat <laughs> onto his back at the, on this ice rink. So when you're watching the opening sequence, and they're they're giving a little montage of Chicago. Keep an eye out for the guy who just biffs it on the ice rig.
0: So this actually brings up something that I wanted to talk about, which is um, just how awkward everyone is in this story. And it's her especially. And it's one of the things that I've always sort of kind of rolled my eyes at with this story is that here is Sandra Bullock, who in my mind is one of the most beautiful women on the planet. She just... She, from when I was in you know junior high, I thought that she was you know an extremely attractive woman. Yes,
1: she is objectively attractive. I think we're we're all on board with that. <laughs> and yet here she is in this thing, and it's
0: like put a frumpy coat on her and and you know muss up her hair a little bit, and now all of a sudden she's supposed to be like oh, look at me. And the only
1: one who has any interest in her is Joe Jr.
0: Yeah, (laughs) like, really? You're still Sandra Bullock. Even if you muss up your hair a little bit and you wear your dad's over too big coat for you. Uh, So in
1: in, in this story, which has, you know, absurd plot elements and mistaken identity and, you know, hiding facts from families, the step too far is Sandra Bullock only being pursued by Joe Jr.
0: Yes. (laughs) Yes. So, but but she's supposed to be, well, she's supposed to be like awkward. Yeah.
1: I think in one of her follow-up films, she also only wins Miss Congeniality at a beauty pageant. Also a travesty. Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But, um, but this idea that she says, you mentions a few different times where she does this kind of self-deprecating thing, like, well, you know, I'm just this frumpy, you know, single woman. And, uh, I just like, so point A, I don't buy it. (laughs) <laughs> point B, and, and larger point, uh, is that she she says awkward things and she does awkward things. But it's not just her; it's all of the people around her. It's the guy on the ice skating rink. It's the kid on his bike. It's uh, Peter's f- old girlfriend when she comes into the she comes running into the hospital and she slips, yeah, and does this big like whoa! Like I'm slipping on the thing. It's she. Uh, it's her and uh, when they're and shoving Jack, the couch
1: into the room, they break the. Uh- yeah.
0: Yes. Yeah, so there's something there's some it seems like there's a like a larger a larger point to be made by somebody involved with this film about awkwardness and how everybody is just so painfully awkward and does awkward things. They say awkward things at the wrong time
1: and Well, I think it's also, um, setting a tone for a world where this kind of thing can happen and it's not grounds for lawsuits and, (laughs) you know, stalking (laughs) charges, you, you know, assumptions of false identity and other things that this is, um, you know, just a broader comedic world. And I think having some of those moments of physical comedy, um, make the farce more palatable because everything is played a little looser in, in this particular narrative
0: there i will just point out that there is an there's an essay in the new yorker called the awkward age and it's about how our society today kind of celebrates awkwardness and i know this this film came out 20 years ago but um which is weird by the way <laughs> i know isn't it <laughs> but uh but there's i just when i was when i was watching it today i noticed just how how many awkward you know slips and falls and and things breaking and and crashing and um and you know saying awkward things at awkward times uh and the film really kind of takes joy in it and i think viewers do as well like i just remember rewinding and watching that kid fall on his bike over and over and over again it's so funny
1: um Oh, never mind. I don't have anything to add. <laughs> it despite, was an unnecessary um. <laughs> d- despite it being awkward all throughout, Bill Pullman really nails that proposal at the end, though. That looks really suave when he tosses the ring through the <laughs> yeah. through the token <laughs> slot. Yeah, yeah. There, well, I mean, I do have to say um, there's some editing and cinematography moments within this film that I actually quite enjoy. That like stand out to me. Of like, I really enjoy that shot. And one of them is the simple moment after they. Uh, so Bill Pullman and Sandra Bullock are trying to get this piece of furniture into Peter's apartment <laughs> and you know, the shoving it through the door, the door jam breaks, then she knocks over this vase that has blue liquid in it. And it stains his white carpet, which that apartment had way too much white going on, <laughs> <laughs> especially if there's a cat in there. Um, but, uh, and then they say, you know, that's, that's where we should put it. And there's this overhead shot just of the stain. And then the couch gets shoved into the frame and covers right. the stain. And it's, a simple shot, but it's always stood out to me as just a fun moment of filmmaking where they're using the camera in a way that you don't always see to to um, do a visual joke, uh, you know, complete the joke of that's where we should put it.
0: Yes. And uh, going back to the proposal and how suave Bill Pullman is, he's only suave until he says, can I come in there? And she says, um, I'm sorry, you can't. And then and his then, facade breaks, and then he looks at her like, "Oh my gosh!" And the whole family's there, and there's this <laughs> yeah. moment of awkward. And then she says, "Not unless you give me a token." And then, and then everything's fine. And then he, he then he comes in, and then they kiss. But there, even in that moment of you know, supreme suave Bill Pullman with his gravelly voice comes and drops the thing, and and, the
1: floppy hair of the nineties,
0: <laughs> <laughs> floppy nineties hair, bothy <laughs> and and. Uh, Oh, what's the guy's name?
1: Peter Gallagher. Gallagher. Yes.
0: (laughs) They both have this awesome (laughs) nineties hair. Uh, But when she says, I'm sorry, you can't, then it, you know, breaks and you see this moment of doubt, like awkward doubt in his, in his face. And then it's all kind of smoothed over, but it's just awesome.
1: Um, In that moment, I don't know why, but I've always noticed that she puts the wedding ring on her thumb. Yes. <laughs> I don't, I don't know why that stands out to me, but it's something in like when she does that, I can't, unless you, you give me a token, she like kind of brushes some hair out of her face. Cause her hair is mm-hmm. always, you know, like you said, trying to make her look a little frumpier. Um, <laughs> and she just has the ring on her thumb, which I, I don't know what to make of it other than it's just a little different choice.
0: Awkward. <laughs> <Yes>.
1: <laughs> Maybe that's it.
0: Well, I don't know. So, uh, what, what moments stand out to you for Lucy in this film as we trace her, her kind of progression as a character?
1: So she, she has these, um, okay, well, first I want to say one of the very first scenes, she's pulling the Christmas tree up to her apartment and drops <laughs> it and breaks the window. Yes. Does it bother you that she's pulling it by the top of the tree and not by the base of the tree? <laughs> In an effort to pull it through a window, yes, I, I,
0: I don't know that I had noticed that before this most recent viewing, but I, it's it's a very fat tree, <laughs> and, she, and she's, she's going to well, rip
1: every branch off, if she yeah. tried to pull it through the window by the top,
0: and the opening in the window is not that
1: big. <laughs> so, by the base, maybe she could get it in with the branches, you know, shoving upward.
0: <laughs> I don't I don't quite understand how the tree breaks that window in that way.
1: Yeah, that's f- that, that physics part behind hold
0: that up. I don't know how how well that works, but. Uh,
1: You know, but it's, um, you know, we're just initially establishing this, like you said, awkwardness, kind of clumsiness. Yes. Um, but at the same time, I don't know if it's necessarily the loneliness that she's doing it by herself, but there is kind of a, even as it's clumsy, like she's, she's doing things on her own. Right. Yes. Um, and I don't know, she, she mumbles to herself a lot. (laughs) Like a lot of the jokes are her giving her herself a personal commentary to her life. Yes. And I don't know if it was from watching this when I was a kid, but I think I do that <laughs> myself now. Like, I adopted that point of comedy at some point. Because, I, I mean, so much of our comedy, I think it's framed by what we're consuming, particularly when we're, like, between ages of 9 and 14.
0: Uh-uh.
1: <laughs> and I—I uh I, I, more so than in other films, I noticed that she is... Almost giving this this commentary on her own life in a way that is very self aware, but that as viewers you just kind of smile and smirk at.
0: Yeah, I I she's so sweet and um and lonely from the beginning. And the scene that stands out to me, well, first of all with the with the broken window, that is when we where we meet Joe Junior for Joe the first Junior.
1: time. Uh, we are going to talk about Joe Junior. Listeners, <laughs> do not worry. I love, <laughs> I love Joe Junior. He's one of my favorite characters. Looked in- like he was leading yes it's like every- you can't say that line without doing the hand motion do you need some help because uh i know karate i know a guy i got ice capades i got ice capades <laughs> <laughs> oh man I guess right, I should we just it. talk about joe jr right now
0: because uh, we, we are we are talking, we, about, we joe are jr.
1: talking about joe jr
0: <laughs> uh, what do you think about joe jr i love him <laughs> He's one of my favorite
1: so, quirky side characters of any film.
0: Besides the fact that he just says loads of funny things.
1: And he has, I mean, I, I call him slovenly. You could call him slovenly or schlubby. He just has this look about him that is so perfectly done up by the, well, the, first the time, costume.
0: The first time that you meet him, he's got this super tight white t-shirt on and these <laughs> jeans. And he's always kind of hes always kind of fixing his pants, almost like the Chris Farley uh, motivational speaker. Not quite that exaggerated, but he's always doing this thing with his pants. And, and then, then he
1: goes and bends down,
0: and then he goes over and bends, bends over, and you see the little plumber's crack. My daughter lost it; she was laughing so hard. She's like, "That's disgusting,"
1: <laughs> which
0: it is, and yes. it's supposed to be.
1: Yep, yeah, you you caught on. <laughs> but he's he's
0: like that. he's disgusting, but he's also sweet.
1: Yeah, and he's and he's pitiable. Like you 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 want him to find happiness. Uh-huh. It's not going to be with Lucy. Because that's, I mean, well, I think in Harry Potter, we talked about how Hermione went a little below herself with Ron. This would be too far below Lucy. Yeah. Like, Ron was really punching up the weight class when he pursued Hermione. And Joe is doing the same. Joe Jr.
0: I'm trying to see if I've seen this actor in other stuff. Michael Rispoli. And I am going to say... No. I don't think I've seen him in anything else.
1: <laughs> Which is unfortunate, because he delivers lines in ways that are fantastic. Oh, man. Like, the he- lines are funny, but his delivery is definitely adding a lot to the humor. When, <laughs> like, I, like I said, he's pitiable, but you feel happy for him when he has the date with the girl from the third floor. Yes. <laughs> and you know he's, she's on the third floor because he, he, he has his girl his date right next to him. And uh, Jack is going up to run to Lucy. as Lucy's the, the most beautiful, or the prettiest girl in this building. <laughs> and, and his date slaps him. And he goes, but you're the prettiest girl on the third floor.
0: <laughs> and she's like, oh, <laughs> like,
1: like that's enough for her. <laughs> he, and, um, and then he loses her later and cries and you just feel bad for him. Yeah, and I love how sweet Lucy
0: is with him. It, it's kind of like the Rick Moranis character in uh, Ghostbusters. The kind of, the sweetness.
1: Like, there's an earnestness. Yes. Um, Even as, I guess, both Rick Moranis and Joe Jr., there's almost kind of a, well, more so for Joe Jr. Like, you feel kind of this sliminess about him, but it's not, like, a dirty sliminess. It's just kind of a, he doesn't know any better.
0: (laughs) No, he really is. I mean, he says some horrible, (laughs) he says some horrible things when, when she puts him in the closet. And he... He like picks up her underwear, and then he's trying on her shoes. It's <laughs> like I slipped.
1: I, <laughs> I slipped. <yeah."> my <laughs>
0: foot went right in the right in the shoe. Right when I, when I slipped, or when he hugs her and he asks her about her underwear again, it's just like oh, he's just so horrible and kind of disgusting, but he's also really sweet and and, <laughs> and earnest earnest about everything. I love that he takes a hammer to fix his car. <laughs> like what are you going to do with a hammer in your it's car? It's one of the
1: again it's one of those broad moments where this is like just playing with humor in a way that's unbelievable but because that's the tone that's been established for this film you go with it.
0: Yeah. It's fantastic and you know trying to protect her from Jack and Jack totally buying that when when he says know her I'm dating her." <laughs> and then Jack's like you're dating joe jr and you're telling everybody that you're that you're engaged to peter and uh, that's just uh, man joe jr my goodness every i know karate
1: (laughs) i love it uh back to lucy though (laughs) we (laughs) we definitely took a, a tangent there but one that was well earned by joe jr yes um another moment that always stands out to me just um Expressing simultaneously her loneliness and her awkwardness, it is the Oreo into the cat's bowl yes. of milk.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and again, my daughter says, that is so unhealthy. <laughs> and I said, what, the cookie or the fact that
1: she's dipping it in the cat's milk? And she goes, both. <laughs> <laughs> but it's one of those moments that says so much about a character. Like yeah. in, this, in this little physical action, you, you, know, you know, this is a woman that is you know, alone all the time. <laughs> yeah. Hasn't had, you know, a, a relationship or anyone else in her apartment probably for years, you would guess.
0: Yeah. The, when she, I think one, one of the scenes that tells us a lot about her character is, um, when her, her boss says <clears throat> that she, uh, he, he's, he's nominated her for employee of the month because she always works every holiday doesn't matter that she worked on Thanksgiving she'll work Christmas and then she'll work New Year's and and then she realizes that he's doing it because he wants her to cover for him and she says no I'm not going to do it and then he says well everybody knows that you're the only one that doesn't have you know any family any family and then and then you feel this just
1: sad loneliness for her yeah there's so the opening monologue of the film is about her relationship with her father, which is, it has this odd function where it simultaneously makes her more tragic, but also less tragic. <laughs> if that makes sense. Like you feel sadder for her. Cause she's, um, she had this wonderful relationship with her father growing uh-huh. up. Um, it says that, you know, they lost, uh, her mother when she was young, but the dad would always tell her stories about her mom and the dad died just like two years ago. Mm-hmm. And so her loneliness isn't because, She's, you know, like completely socially incapable. Like she, it's part of it is this void that's been opened up because of her father's passing. Yeah, And and so it makes her more pitiable, but less pathetic to have had that opening (laughs) monologue. (laughs) Yeah.
0: I just, she wears her dad's coat all the time. And that, yeah, I think that that, the, that father figure for her is really, the The absence of her father is looms large. So then she meets Peter's family. Well, she saves him on the tracks,
1: right? So she, she has this in her head romance, right, right, with Peter. Uh, I guess her own instead of head cannon, it's a head romance <laughs> 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 that that she's um, you know going to marry this man who you know it's love at first sight for her. And he gets thrown on the tracks, and we have this moment of heroism, and like this moment gets interrupted by her mumbling internal monologue about, oh, you smell so good, and she's down that. on the tracks with <laughs> the train <I> love that. <laughs> barreling <laughs> towards them. And uh, then he gets taken to the hospital, you know, in a coma, and I love the nurse that delivers this line, because it's such an important line, <laughs> The that overhears her saying to so Lucy says to herself, I was going to marry him, and then... You know, uh, 30 seconds later, someone from the family is like, well, who is this? Because Lucy's hanging around and the nurse just says, she's his fiance. Uh-huh. And that, that line delivery just has the the perfect amount of uh, earnest ditsiness yeah. <laughs> about it <laughs> to make it believable that she would, you know, be announcing this thing that maybe shouldn't be announced <laughs> uh, that sets the whole plot in motion. And there's so much... Uh, important dialogue and, and this juggling act to make it believable that Lucy would do this but uh-huh. also that she's not a horrible person yes <laughs> and she would let the family continue to believe this thing yeah
0: i mean it has to be it is kind of a, a tightrope for the 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 screenwriter because because there's, there is a the danger of making her look
1: like a gold digger or because it turns out peter is loaded <laughs> Yeah. (laughs) She doesn't know this as much. She knows he wears nice clothes. But she, uh, you know, when she's given his belongings, she sees his apartment, which is, you know, at the top of a high rise in Chicago. And he has a boat. And there's these... The the crew must have had so much fun taking these pictures of Peter of that he health. has around his apartment. Yes, that he has around his apartment of him with his boat, uh, with the sweater tied jauntily over his shoulders. And uh, on his countertop, he has a glamour shot of himself. And In I his just-
0: wallet. When she goes through his wallet, it's all
1: pictures of himself. And there's a moment there that I think is really important where she starts to say... Maybe this isn't the guy I had in my head. Yeah. <laughs> okay, as, as she sees these preppy photos of glamour shots of himself in his wallet, she she kind of like closes the wallet and pats it and sets it to the <laughs> side.
0: <laughs> but she she still even when he wakes up, she's still like attracted to him.
1: Yes. I have a question for you too. Before you get farther away from when she was developing this this head canon romance. Mm-hmm. I've read articles, so this is like a, a thing people talk about online, is about the value of having these split-second, like, love-at-first-sight headcanon romances. like Where you, like, build an alternate reality. Yes, where you talked to a girl you saw walking across campus. Granted, this would be years ago for you guys, because you're both married. <laughs> We're um, very old very happily married. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, for me, college was was much more recent. And oh, oh, <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> some, some ageism flying, flying in my face. I go to college every but- day, man. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it was not that long ago that I was a student in college. <laughs> but, like, the idea of you come across someone and there's an attraction and you build this, this headcanon romance and do you guys think that she is wrong initially for doing that? Or does this get out of hand in a way she can't control or, or well, did she <laughs> kind of push it to get out of hand? I mean, obviously this the snowballs to an absurd degree <laughs> for her and <laughs> that she's spending Christmas with his family. <laughs> um, but I think, I mean, that headcanon romance, that's the only reason you ask someone out, I think is because, you know, that, that moment of attraction where you say, what could be, And you kind of imagine that's, you know, what dating is, is trying to find out what could be, but you probably have something in your head and it's when those levels of the, what could be that align (laughs) that you can get into a (laughs) long-term relationship. Sometimes maybe you had a, what could be, and she had a, "Mm." (laughs) this is a total side note,
0: but, um, actually my wife asked me out because, uh, because she thought that of all the guys she knew, uh, there was the least amount of possibility that anything long-term would happen with me. So she was not playing uh, she was not playing headcanon romance with me. She
1: was playing was, uh, just want a quick she date. She was playing. <laughs> I need a
0: quick date, and I need to. I need a snatch and grab, and uh, and no no long-term consequences. But that didn't work out very well for her. How, so
1: how, how was your headcanon romance? <laughs> I was intrigued. I was intrigued. That's funny, because that is the word I used to describe when I first saw my wife. I Like, it was in the social setting where there's a big group of people, but I saw her, and I just thought, yeah, you know, I was intrigued by her right away. Interesting. That's what I say about most of the girls I've gone on dates with, but this has not worked out to the same <laughs> you, degree. You're not happily married right
0: <laughs> now? You've been intrigued by lots of women, but never...
1: Well, I mean, you're, like what you were saying about in college, like, I, I, okay, one of the best things about marriage is not having the dating scene, (laughs) and not having to play that game of how much interest is there, you know, both ways. Uh, But I definitely remember some of those awkward moments where it became clear pretty early on in the date (laughs) (laughs) that one of us was playing a little more headcanon romance into the future than the other one was. (laughs) Sometimes it's a little more awkward when it isn't clear to one party. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> yeah. Where you did. Uh, but I, I mean, I, I think I can remember dates both ways where, you know, she had more interest or I had more interest and, you know, that, but again, that's what dating is. It's, it's trying to, to find out what, what is going to be. So do you I, think, do you I, think Lucy manifesting this is one of the things that makes the character relatable and memorable, perhaps more than other romantic comedy characters? I, yes, I think so. I mean, So I watched this with my wife, and she was throwing lines out before <laughs> they were being said on screen. And she said that she and her group of friends in high school watched this movie a lot. And I think part of that is, you know, this idea of this relatable character who, you know, kind of sees a guy that she's imagining what if, which so much of high school is... <laughs> Uh-huh. Is what if romances that you're carrying on in your heads. So I think for, you know, depending on when you're first exposed to this film, I definitely think that's one reason why it resonates.
0: I am really intrigued by the idea of Love at First Sight, which she... It, it, if you knew nothing about this film and you saw it for the first time, you would think, at least until Jack shows up, that it's a film about Love at First Sight. And there are films like that where people see each other, I mean... <laughs> Uh, Romeo and Juliet, right? She does teach the torches to burn brightly. And like, I see you and then that's it. It's all I need. Um, and it seems like this this film is a really interesting commentary on love and what love is and what it is not. And
1: I think it's cool how they kind of, w- how she works through that. Do you think Peter, uh, or not Peter, but Jack, so he comes home and he sees Lucy on the couch. Yes, And do you think he has some attraction at first sight? Well, he asked the sister,
0: you know, who's that? And she says, Lucy. And he's like, Lucy. So I, I think that there's, I mean, you would be, you would be insane to not believe in attraction at first sight, but I think there's a huge difference between love at first sight and attraction at first sight. And I think that people (laughs) confuse those two quite often.
1: Yes. And, uh, like you said, with the example of Romeo and Juliet, you can go back and say people have been confusing the two for a long time. Yes, for a long time.
0: <laughs> but I, the, the thing, one of the things that I think that is cool about this film is that the the relationship that develops between Jack and Lucy is totally believable as a as a loving, like caring relationship, and that he walks her home, and he you know he he does the he, things that people who are really truly in love do, which is he watches out for her, and and she
1: does the same for him. Well, and also he, so like in the walk home, it he finds out about her. Like he asks questions about her father and finds mm-hmm. out, you know, all this information because he, you know, he cares. <laughs> you know, this isn't just he's not just making inane chit chat. You know, he he's he's finding about her, and so the relationship between. Uh, Lucy and Jack in the end does feel earned.
0: Yeah, and, and thinking about that, the the scene where he's walking home, they're walking home and he's asking her all these questions. Uh, so now it's time for French philosophy with Dr. Mack. So here we go. So Emmanuel <laughs> Levinas says that there are kind of two ways to approach uh, another human being. And one is what he calls the grasp, which is where – and this you see this in uh, Jack's initial – uh, relationship with Lucy where he's trying to get to the bottom of who she is and why she's there and he feels like she's an imposter and so he interrogates her and it feels like an interrogation and what do you know about it and what's Peter's favorite this and what's Peter's favorite this and where, how did you meet Peter? And it's, it's all very almost like aggressive um, and then the flip side of that is what Levinas calls the caress and it's how he says we should treat other people um, in our relationships, we should, we should caress the people around us and the caress is, is exploratory, but it's also gentle. It's the lightest possible physical touch. And, um, and that's what happens when they're walking home. And then he's, he's asking her questions, not because he's trying to get to the bottom of something, but because he really, truly wants to get to know her better and it's kind and it's gentle. Um, and so it's cool to see those both of those things in action. I like it. I agree,
1: Todd. When do you think Lucy realizes that she likes Jack more than the idea of Peter?
0: Uh, well, she, when she goes to her boss and says, "I'm cheating on I, I'm what does she say? I'm cheating on him, or I'm committing adultery, or something like
1: that." <laughs> and, and he says, "You're cheating on a vegetable, He's something on on vegetable. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I mean, it's it's after the... Is this the, right after the walk home? Yeah, it's when they walk home, and then they slip on the ice, and they stare into each other's arms.
1: And then when he's walking away, she's, she looks eyes. out the window.
0: <laughs> I just said they stare into each other's arms. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I didn't even catch it. But now that you're pointing it out, yes, yes, you did, Todd.
0: <laughs> they stare into each other's eyes, and uh, th- that's the the moment, I think.
1: Which is... And I think it's after she started to find out more about Peter and maybe realize that the idea of Peter that she had in her head isn't exactly aligning with who he is. (laughs) Which, again, is a a subtle moment, but I think that's that moment when she's looking through the lot matters for her shifting.
0: Yeah, the scene on the ice, again, it's just, I I don't know. Some people may bore of me (laughs) saying this, but love is about physical closeness. It's about being attentive to somebody's needs and responding to those needs, and all of those things happen in that scene, right? we're physically close we're holding on to each other and we're we're helping each other not slip and fall on the ice it's it's the perfect place for love to bloom and and then it does
1: and that's why ice skating is such a great date yes
0: <laughs> <Ugh>. kids
1: <laughs> ice skating it's a good one all right, so we have a couple comments uh, from Facebook where we just put out a call just barely before recording. So we only have two comments. Um, but what, they're, they're both actually giving quotes, which, again, this movie is fantastically quotable. And uh, from listener Jesse, the quote that they put up is, He looks like he's leaning. Leaning. Joe, <laughs> Joe Jr., best line in the movie. And I love the discussion of leaning. It's something I... I think we all referenced in high school <laughs> yeah. about in our high school days <laughs>
0: the thing that i had forgotten is that the idea of leaning comes from jack because jack well, first says that he says says saw Junior joe jr was le- Ju- yeah. joe jr leaning and she's like leaning and then he says yeah leaning it's when you come in and then he kind of starts making his suave move and then he's he's in close with her and then joe jr says hey loose is this guy bothering you <laughs> and then uh yeah
1: and that's when uh Luz is like, What are you talking about? and he says it looks like he's leaning and, and I love that uh Jack's like, Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes.
0: this is, the rivalry slash I d I don't know what it is between Jack and Joe Jr. is just awesome.
1: <laughs> yeah, Joe Jr. should have had his own spin-off film. That's my <laughs> that's my opinion. <laughs> yeah. Uh, And the other quote from listener Becky, these mashed potatoes are so creamy. I love a good meal scene with an ensemble cast. And I love the scenes when all of the eccentric family are having conversations that don't line up, but you follow it all because that is family conversations. When you got a a big group of people who know each other really well and, you know, they're throwing out, Comments and two people are having a conversation, and two other people are having a different conversation, and they intersect, and you're only getting a half a conversation. Yeah, uh, to me that felt like a real family gathering.
0: Yeah, it did to me too. Uh, we also I got two comments, uh, actually both from my sisters, uh, who love 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 this film. Uh, so Janie says. Oh my goodness, I love this movie. I love when Lucy and Jack walk in the ice and fall. The quote scene, I was going to marry him. The next, And then she says, when the nurse says, the next time you talk to yourself, tell yourself you're single and end the conversation. <laughs> and then she says I really could go on can't wait to listen and then uh, Mary Beth says I love this movie too I agree with Janie uh, and the slipping on the ice part the talk around the dinner table when they are all having their own conversations so (laughs) again Joe Jr. and family conversations when Joe Jr. says hey Luce is this guy bothering you because it looks like he's uh, leaning love it the totally random part when the kid on the bike slips on the ice doing his paper out I think I laugh out loud every time I love when they're all gathered for Christmas present opening oh and I love this too and Lucy looks at the fireplace mantle and there's a new stocking with her name on it. The family is so open to accepting her into their lives and that was uh, one thing that I also wanted to touch on is just how sweet this family is and we have an appearance from Frank Barone.
1: Yes. Right? <laughs> Playing a very similar character with maybe a little more heart.
0: <laughs> yeah and this, this is, I don't know, maybe, maybe this is like the version, this is what I kind of wish Frank Barone was which is Still grumpy, but but like yeah, still human, yelling
1: loudly and sarcastically. A human being,
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs> With but uh, but anyway, Peter Boyle is just fantastic, and the, and everybody in the family. Uh, my my daughters again were just laughing their heads off at the grandmas and all the funny things that they say and these crazy conversations um, that just it feels so natural. Uh, but you, but you know that it, it has to have taken a lot of work to get. Yes,
1: it. I will, like, I'm, I'm thinking about the editing, the filming. Yes. <laughs> the sound crew to pick up all those. I don't know how many takes it would have had to have done around the table. Like,
0: how much of it is, how much of it is written? How much of it is ad libbed? And how, and how do they catch all of that and then splice it all together so that it feels, um, like it couldn't have been done any other way?
1: Yeah. And, and I love awesome. the grandma always making like the wrong connection and Saul saying, I didn't say that. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I, I didn't say he was Cuban. <laughs> yeah.
0: That's awesome. But the family is really um, kind of quirky, but also just super, super sweet. And um, they, they say that, you know, Saul says, no, this family was all broken until you got here, Lucy, and you can't just leave now. And it's kind of hard to imagine that because they just seem like such a sweet family.
1: I will say it does feel like um, maybe the piece that was missing was Peter. Yeah. And she is filling that in. And maybe when that piece was missing, things were not as smooth as we see with Lucy coming in and taking that role.
0: Well, and Jack Jack and his father, there was the, the business thing. And she encourages Jack to go and talk to his dad about starting his own business and – um, so she does have a positive impact
1: but it does seem like Peter the Peter that we discover throughout the film is separate from what we see from this family you yes. know he has the, the high rise apartment it sounds like he's traveling all the time he says he doesn't even know what his secretary sent his parents for their last birthday
0: <laughs> no for Christmas it was <laughs> or for
1: Christmas and I wonder if he would he have even been there even though he was in Chicago would he have been at that family gathering that Lucy ends up at yeah uh, because after, so Christmas day is when the mugging happens and the coma and it's just utter chaos, but then she gets invited. They say, you know, we weren't able to really do Christmas. Why don't you come over uh, the next day? And at first she's not going to, but she's just so darn lonely and eating Oreos out of her cat's bowl of milk. <laughs> 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 that's, that she goes. And I think maybe that's what Saul is, is saying. Um, yeah. that c- cause you could still have, I think, tight connections, you know, with, You know, eight members of your family. But if there's the one who's kind of severed ties and is doing their own thing, you feel that even when the eight are together.
0: Yeah, it's it's I I love the I love the family and um and I love the it's, I mean maybe, you know it doesn't have to be a huge huge transformation, but you know simple things that make a difference. Um, I have I have a question, and I want to ask it but I hesitate to ask it because I love Sandra Bullock and I love this character. Uh, but I feel, I feel like we, we can't leave this without talking about agency and Lucy. So I'll just throw that in the ring. (laughs) What do you think about her as a, as a, as an agentive character?
1: Uh, for a lot of this, she is reactive Mm -hmm. and it's until the wedding scene when she is the one that voices the objection that, you know, she's finally taking, a, taking a stand and saying, you know, I know what I want and it's not this.
0: So do you think that that, that that's the first time when she, when she's making decisions that are affecting
1: the story? So she gets swept up an awful lot. <laughs> like uh-huh. the, the, the action and the chaos is just a wave and she's struggling to stay afloat on it, and cousin Saul or it's not cousin Saul, it's uh best it's just Saul, friend. right? Yeah. Yeah, Godfather. best friend, He's the Godfather. yeah, Godfather and, and next door neighbor. Saul is kind of half throwing her a life preserver, <laughs> but then leaves her to sink uh-huh. whenever the going gets rough. Um So for most of the film I think she's swept along and that's it. And but she does take control at the end, even as that initial fantasy that she had is about to be played out.
0: So how about, uh, for example, when, uh, she decides to go to the family party agency is let's play a game agency or not.
1: (laughs) All right. So let's start earlier. Let's say, um, letting the family believe she is his fiance.
0: Okay. Let's go one step earlier. Saving him on the train tracks
1: agency. Yes. I think so. I mean, see, no one else is jumping down on the train tracks. Okay. <laughs> what All do right. you think?
0: Um, well, see, I I have doubts about how how much agency is involved when someone is acting on pure like instinct and adrenaline.
1: That's true, and
0: how much like conscious thought goes into that, and how all much right. she's just like riding a wave of emotion.
1: Okay, I'm gonna give a half point to each side. <laughs> all right, so I'm keeping track. All right, our producer Andrew <laughs> will keep track that's, okay. So saving him on the train tracks is half point agency, half point reactive. <laughs> all right, so letting the family believe she is his fiance.
0: <sighs> See, this is this is a tricky one for me. Um, I'm gonna say. I'm gonna say yes, initially. I think wait, that she does. That, make that,
1: Wait, wait, wait! That doesn't mean anything. Yes, too. <laughs> I'm gonna yes say.
0: To. I'm gonna say that she makes. Okay, so she when she makes the comment, "I was gonna marry him," that's not agency. That's just her talking to herself, and the nurse is the one who says she's his fiance. But in that moment, she could say no.
1: Well, she tries to, but she no one hears her. <laughs> yes.
0: And it's only when she finds out that the, the grandma, grandma has a,
1: heart condition, has a and... heart condition
0: that she decides, I cannot tell the family. So do we call that agency, or do we call that being I'm, swept along?
1: I'm calling it swept along. For me, that's a swept along moment.
0: Yeah, and I I think I agree with you. So one point for not agency.
1: Okay. <laughs> Next moment,
0: <laughs> uh, going to the Christmas party.
1: Uh, I hadn't thought about that at all, but when she said, it, "I was like, oh, that is," a I'm going to say
0: absolutely agency. I'm going to
1: say agency as well.
0: Yeah, I mean, she says initially, "No, no, no, I can't go. I can't go. I can't go." And then she's all at home by herself, and she's eating cookies out of the out of the cat's milk, and then she shows up, and she shows up with like a, 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 a flower, a poinsettia. Thank you.
1: <laughs> and uh, um, but she also though this is kind of half the swept along moment cousin Sal says you gotta keep or I keep saying cousin Sal I think it's because I listen to a podcast and there's a cousin Sal that appears <laughs> on that podcast uh, Saul says you gotta keep doing this yeah <laughs> like, so they're like that that continuing the far uh, the farce, I guess The continuing the charade 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 uh, is is I'd say swept along but going in the first place is action. Yeah. So you want a point to each side for that? No, card? I say let's give a,
0: up. A, I say a point for agency.
1: A point for agency and a half point for <laughs> swept along. <laughs> <laughs> All right, got it. All right. Uh, then I'd say the next moment is when she is convincing Peter that she really is, or convincing Jack that she really is Peter's fiance.
0: See, now she's, now she's like more active in this.
1: Right. But at the same time, she's only there in this position to do it because she found out a cat might be starving to death. (laughs) (laughs) Because amongst uh, Peter's belongings was a can of cat food. But she
0: could have, she could have not done anything.
1: Right, but this is kind of like the uh, the man on the railroad tracks. <laughs> okay. <laughs> is, is, so you're saying this is an instinctual response. If you find out there's a starving cat and you have the can of cat food.
0: Then, so this is a yeah. half point
1: to each again. I suppose.
0: Mm-hmm. See, it's tricky. Because that's c- what you went with. To, with the... So when, you, when we think about agency, the, it seems like there have to be options, right? Yeah. So I take option A or I take option B. And in the case of the cat, like there really doesn't seem to be an option. B, it would be completely out of her character to say, well, uh, sorry, cat. Sorry, cat. You're going to have to die. Fluffy. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) Fluffy. It's perfectly played when she picks up that cat. And And reads the lock,
1: (laughs) The little locket on the. It's so (laughs)
0: subtle that (laughs) that you believe that he maybe didn't notice Yes, but you but it's but it's but it's done well enough that you notice as the as a audience. It's
1: perfect. And again, in the I just got to give credit to the screenwriting, and the directing to give those moments that make it believable that she could be pulling this off because she, you know, she grabs ice from the freezer and she sees all the Baskin Robbins in there. And then yes. later on, Jack's like, what's his favorite kind of ice cream? And obviously, like this is put there in the face for the audience to, to see this right. and be able to play along. But if that wasn't there and if he didn't have the conversation, you'd be wondering, like, well, why isn't, why aren't people asking more questions? Yeah. Okay, so, so, saving the cat, did we determine <laughs> not agency? Uh, yeah, I'm going with reaction on that. But in the apartment, the playing along and the lying, I'm going to give agency. Yeah, I would too. A full point to each. So. Yes, yes. Okay. <laughs> what, what's the next point view uh, of, of our game, Todd?
0: Um. Uh, well, when's the next time that she apparently
1: appears to make a decision? How does she, How does it end up that she says she's pregnant? Oh, that's not okay. So in that instance, <laughs> not agency. <laughs> this is not agency. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So a hard point, not agency. Yes, because um, one of the coworkers asks. Uh, for some reason it says something like you're pregnant and she jokingly is like yes I'm pregnant and uh, Jack and Peter's little sister overheard that.
0: No her sister's friend overheard oh, that.
1: Oh that's right that's uh, <laughs> and yeah. And tells so, the
0: sister and then the sister announces it to the family
1: <laughs> and, and then uh, Peter puts his or Jack puts his foot in his mouth <laughs> pretty <laughs> <Right>. promptly thereafter
0: <laughs> um, I would say when uh, so why are they even together that night um, oh because it, because of the couch when they walk home <laughs>
1: Yes, that's uh, they delivered the couch, and then he got boxed in.
0: Right, and so he, she says, "Well, I'm just going to walk home," and he says, "You're going to leave me here? At least let me walk you home." And then they're walking home together, and she gives him advice that leads to him uh, resolving a situation with his father. And I'm going to say agency on that.
1: Yeah, I, I will. I will give that.
0: Okay. Not traveling to Florence. Not agency.
1: No. <laughs> so a non-agency. Non-agency. All right. Um. I didn't watch this before we recorded, so is this all coming back to you though? No, no, none <laughs> like that that Florence comment. I'm like, what?
0: Well, she has a passport. And she it's has a always, passport. It's always yeah. with her.
1: Like she whips it out on this walk because she says, "You never know when you're gonna have to leave the country." She's never left the country. She never has. There had are a stamp no in stamps.
0: It. No stamps in her passport. And he's like, "You need to, you need to travel." And she says, "Well, <laughs> you need to." fix your relationship with your father. Basically. So, they, they do get a little bitter with each other every now and then. Which is why he says, I don't know whether to, what,
1: whether uh, to hug her or, or to arm, arm wrestle. wrestle her. Which is <laughs> a nice her. non-violent way for, you know, we are moving past the 80s when the line would have been something like smacker. <laughs> <laughs> so, so now it's a arm wrestler. Yeah. <laughs> All um, right. And, and I think the that next?
0: As, as the story progresses.
1: <sighs> so, the, I mean, the next big moment is... Peter waking up. Right. Right. And she just lets the lie continue. I'd say not, not.
0: Yeah. I'm yeah, going to say not, not agency on that. Yeah. Okay. And he, and then Saul goes to Peter and tells him to, uh, tells him to propose to her or let her go. And Peter proposes to her and she accepts. So agency. accepting Peter's proposal agency or not.
1: half and half because okay the next step is her rejecting and that is pure agency this is the moment where I feel like she's finally taking control
0: right but so she goes into her boss and she drops off the invitation and he says wait you're marrying you're marrying the the, the vegetable
1: the (laughs) The coma guy or something like that and
0: she says yes and he says why are you doing that and she says because because I feel like I deserve happiness because he asked me And I'm alone, and I live in an apartment with a cat, and I have nothing, and I'm poor, and a rich, handsome guy just asked me to marry him, and I'm going to say yes. Which, on the face of it, looks an awful lot like agency.
1: But it sure feels like she's getting swept along. (laughs) Yeah, like, I'm conflicted on that one, because I say on the face of it, it looks like non-agency, but she's, like, listing off reasons why she's making a decision. Yeah. And I, okay, I'm going to jump at it. Let's keep running. So I'm going to say half and half, half the and half on the proposal. Yes. On the rejection. And whoa, 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 whoa. Hang on, hang on, hang on, In, in hang the- on, hang hang on, hang on, <laughs> but all right. So, so I've got that. I've, I've got that half and half for the proposal. Listeners, just so no, you know, our producer Andrew does not have paper and pen. He is keeping track by rubbing into the carpet. <laughs> 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 Our, our studios has a plush <laughs> plush carpeted
0: surface. I thought you were going to say that he was doing it on his fingers, but that's <laughs> so much
1: better. No, I'm not I'm not holding up half fingers. Wait, but we've already talked about this moment. The moment when uh, Jack proposes and she says no. Wait. I think that is definitely her reasserting control. Like she's still in control. So this is a fresh point wait, for wait, wait, the wait, full wait. agency. Which no, okay, I can we leave, have to go uh, back.
0: We have to go back because there is a moment when uh, when Jack brings her the wedding present at her apartment, and he's walking down the stairs, and she says, Jack, can you give me any reason oh, right. why I should not marry him?" So Peter? this is
1: pre-hospital wedding scene. Yes. But post-proposal.
0: And she's yes. giving him a chance.
1: To she, act. To act. Okay. Like, she's opening the door and hoping he steps through it. So that's that an agency, agency, on her agency part? for her. Because
0: she could have said, I love you. And I want to marry you. But she doesn't. She ah, doesn't did even... you see
1: her eyes? She did say it. <laughs> <laughs> Do
0: you expect any man to be capable
1: <laughs> of interpreting, interpreting that it. accurately?
0: <laughs> that does
1: not count. <laughs> okay, so...
0: I'm going to say no on that, because I think that she could have said... I, I'm, or maybe, at, like, halfway again. Because... Yeah, I, I
1: could. I can't give that one, like, a full non-agency. Because, like, she's presenting... Like, she's... Acting. Yeah, like I said, she choice. is opening the door and right. then she's choosing not to step through.
0: But but it's not like full on, you know, like we see at the end. So again, I would say a half.
1: Okay. 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 I think we're going to have to play this game again with some other characters. I'm liking <laughs> this. This is a good game. <laughs> agent or non agent. All right. So then we've already covered the wedding when she objects before the priest has gotten through so one that sentence. Is <laughs> that is <laughs> agency. That is agency. And absolutely. I, I think this is where she's coming into her own because from here mm-hmm. on out. Uh, I, I, even though she goes back to her life, she's choosing to say, I didn't earn, you know, the life with Peter and I'm just going to step out. So she goes back to work. And then when Jack drops in the wedding ring and says, can I come through? And she says, no, I think this is still like, that's a subtle moment of her still being in control and being an agent. Let me so ask this. I'm just, do you want to give that a half point? I have to no, ask just, this.
0: Yeah. Why doesn't she just walk away from the wedding at the hospital with Jack?
1: Well, there was utter chaos. Like, that's what, awkward. What, what was, where was Jack? Like, I can't remember the staging of the scene. but I, I mean, do. At this and point, there was... Jack the... is
0: not in there. Jack's, Jack's not in the middle of that big group of people.
1: Like, do you want her to go over and grab his arm and walk away?
0: Why doesn't why don't they walk away from that place together? Because
1: at this point they're almost
0: standing next to each other.
1: Right, but she the last interaction she had with Jack was saying, "Is there any reason that I shouldn't marry your brother?" and he says no, which to her means she doesn't want he doesn't want me. she says that line, he, he, she's stepping away from the no, family. No, no, no. okay. Not I'm sorry. Peter. I have to
0: I must object to the uh, to about the scene where they object because <laughs> because she says, "I object," and right after she says, "I object," Jack says, "I object." Also, right, but she, uh, we never get a follow
1: up on that. <sighs> I don't so know, man. maybe a poor narrative choice there. Yeah, and, and I don't think it's out of bounds for Lucy to have been so focused on what she's about to say that she kind of missed that. <laughs> i don't know i
0: it's it's the it's the one moment where the the story kind of falls down just a tiny bit i think i think that it's hand waviness because they wanted the final scene to be the scene in the in the booth and i think that they couldn't find a great way to get them out of there and so they just ended that scene but well, she I'll... walks out by herself and i was thinking where is jack where is jack and i look back at that scene with all the people everybody's yelling and up at the up at the altar and jack's not there and i think jack you idiot why don't you walk after her
1: end of film <laughs>
0: <laughs> but the ending the last scene is cute
1: yes and okay, she, again so. she's
0: in control of that situation she says i'm sorry i can't let you in so not without a for chicken. a full point yeah exactly. uh, uh, full point not ahead. letting him
1: Okay, yes. so what what is our final tally of agent versus non-agent? I just wanted to be clear. Well, These, I, and I like how we it took us a while to settle on the name of this game, but I like the name we landed uh, on. Agent, uh, non-agent. I, I want it to be clear that there is no way Joseph or Todd remembers each of the tallies, because nope. there were several of them. <laughs> nope, I have no <laughs> idea where we're at. <laughs> Thank right. goodness we have plush carpet in which to... <laughs> All right, final tally? Did you... six six 6.5 to 7... Non-agent. Oh, ooh, interesting. But ends on-agent. And, yes. And ends strongly on-agent. Yes. Like not non-agent was leading for a good chunk. Yeah. Which I thought it was going to take the cake. But I, I mean, that's not if we if and when we play this game again. <laughs> I I wouldn't be surprised to see that pattern follow through because, I mean, part of the hero's journey, you know, this classic narrative that we follow all the time is having the mentor that's guiding, guiding, guiding. And then there comes a turning point where the uh, you know the individual has to take control. In this case, Saul is the mentor, not the greatest mentor in the history of hero's journeys. <laughs> um, but is he's the one that kind of pushes her to keep playing and, you know, is coaching her on what to do and how to act for a good chunk of it. And it's when he finally you know, the, the abandons his role <laughs> that she has to kind of start deciding what she's going to do. Yeah. It'd be interesting to mm-hmm. review this film in context of the hero's journey circle. Let's put a pin on that for now. Cause I think we're <laughs> over yeah. time. Yeah. I'm just saying <laughs> it's, it's a film you might not think to do that to, no, but it, sure it might yield it. some interesting results. Yeah.
0: I, I, it follows it closely. I think.
1: All right. Any uh, final thoughts, Todd? Oh, I just I really love this movie, and it's perfect.
0: It's a perfect time of year to watch this film.
1: I love that we just invented a new game for us to play in our podcast. <laughs> yes. <called laughs> actor, non actor. Look for that in the future. Agent, agent. Or I know no, agent, non agent. Oh man. Okay. Look for us to fine tune this game. In I like future. agent,
0: agent or not. That's <laughs> okay. that's my vote for the title of that game.
1: Uh, listeners, if you would like to vote on the <laughs> title of this game, we are inventing you can go to the uh, a Protagonist Podcast Facebook page to do so. <laughs> and I feel very confident that, that is a, a, that's an original Protagonist Podcast uh, character analysis <laughs> <laughs> development. I don't yes. think anyone's ever played quite a- <laughs> that game. Well, I, I think we've flirted with that game before, particularly in our Katniss episode. Yes,
0: and that's who I was thinking of as we were doing this. And I was hoping, hoping against hope that we would not walk out of this and say, well, Lucy's not as great a character as we thought. I still <laughs> love, I still love Lucy. Um, it doesn't,
1: <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> Wait, is this the first, uh, in, in our podcast, is the first, uh, repeat of a name for a main character we're, we're looking at Lucy and Lucy. Uh, I don't know. I, I think so.
0: <laughs> it could be, but I, I will say it again. I love Lucy. <laughs> I love Lucy in this, uh, in this film. And, um, and I'm okay with the fact that she is pretty wishy-washy at the beginning, uh, because she ends on the right note.
1: Actually, she was about even at the beginning. She got wishy-washy in the middle. Well, huh. like it, it's just the wave of the chaos of the farce that you know she's getting yeah. swept up with. All right. Uh, similarly, Todd, I'll just end with my praise for for Lucy, and uh, this film is is just always a you know I, I don't watch it every year. But when I do, I'm, it's just a happy film. It's a happy film. I do not, I do
0: not always watch romantic comedies at Christmas time. But when I do, I watch while
1: you are sleeping, or, or White Christmas. <laughs> okay.
0: <laughs> okay, that wraps up this episode. Thanks for joining us. Please subscribe to the Protagonist Podcast in iTunes, and please leave us a review there. It helps with our listenership, and it helps us feel great about ourselves. Uh, Links to things we've talked about in this episode are at protagonistpodcast.com. That's also where to find a list of all of our shows. You can suggest stories or characters for us to discuss or give us any comments or corrections by emailing feedback at protagonistpodcast.com. We're also on Twitter, at ProtagonistPod. I'm at Todd K. Mack. He's at Jay Dorowski. And our producer, Andrew, is at Andrew underscore Dorowski. And our Facebook page, where we've been having a lot of great uh, interaction with our fans, is Facebook.com slash ProtagonistPodcast. If you want to buy a topic for us to discuss or just support us with a financial donation, you can click the support link on our homepage or go to Patreon.com slash Protagonist. Thanks again for listening, and we'll be back next week to discuss another great character and another great story. So long. So long.
1: Oh, I yes. need to change that. It's a script bomb that I, I sometimes stumble over. <laughs>